um, over this week in our seminars and also in the sermons. So they'll kind of work together. And this morning, well, yeah, late this morning, we're looking at the kingdom of the kingdom. That's what we're going to be thinking about in this first session. To kick us off for the whole four days, the king of the kingdom. I want to say to you that the most important thing about Christianity, if you are a Christian and want to be a Christian, if you're not sure if you're a Christian and want to be really getting that clear to yourself, uh, the most important thing about being a Christian is what God has done for you and how you respond to God. The most important thing in life, the most important thing is what God has done for you and how you respond to God. Your response to God is the most important thing because God is the most important. So we'll learn, even this week, we'll learn biblical history and theology. We'll think about spiritual virtues and spiritual practices. Um, we'll talk about personal ethics and maybe even political values to some extent. Um, we'll learn about ministry skills and cast ministry vision. But first of all, and so we're doing it first of all as a part of this conference, the question is, who is God? What has God done and what does he require of me? What does he require of you? What is the proper response to God? You're here for any number of reasons. Because friends invited you, grew up in church, deeply committed Christian yourself. Uh, we can't assume, though, that all of you here are, are Christian. Maybe you're still not sure. You're figuring it out. Working out what's you and what's perhaps your family or your friendship group. And so I want you to be asking, even this morning, over these four days, do I know God? Am I with God, in harmony with God, in right relationship with God? Am I responding to God appropriately? How do you respond to God? Who is God? What has He done? How do we respond to God? The most important thing. And so, as we think about the kingdom of God, we'll look at that for this whole four days. First of all, let's think of the king of the kingdom of God, God. Our seminars that we'll look at across this time will follow the way the Bible itself kind of unfolds as a story. Maybe you went to Sunday school, and in Sunday school you did a big mural, but maybe you got put up in the Sunday school room, or depending on the church, perhaps even the main church um, uh, assembly room, and, um, and you, you mapped out the Bible story. Creation, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Noah, so on. Well, we're going to be looking at the Bible story of what's called salvation history, and the way we're going to be thinking about it is in terms of the kingdom of God. God is the king ruling with blessing over his people in the place where he'll bless his people. God ruling and blessing over his people in this place. Today we're going to see that, for example, in the Garden of Eden. How God made humanity to be in a good relationship with him, put him in a garden to bless them, then to then work that garden under God's rule. You can see the Garden of Eden is the first place we see the kingdom of God. Quite an interesting thought. The kingdom collapses in humanity's rebellion against God. And then the rest of the Bible story is then the story of God's promise to restore his kingdom, his blessing rule, calling people to himself into a good relationship with himself, forgiving them, and putting them in a place where they can love him and serve him. That's the, that's the way we're going to look at the whole story of the Bible. Ultimately then, when you get to the New Testament and Jesus announces, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe good news. You must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of God. You then see those, hear those words, really fresh, 
and does the work we'll be doing this week together. We'll be in the kingdom of God. My sermons mostly are going to be overviews of some books in the Bible. We're going to look at Deuteronomy tomorrow morning and the Psalms, the book of Psalms tomorrow night. We'll look at Zechariah, which is quite a weird one, on um, Thursday morning, and some really important verses across the book of 1 Corinthians on our final day. But today, and on Thursday night, we're going to do more of a topic. Uh, today, and particularly today's sermon, and then on Thursday night, another topic. Today it is this topic of who is God as a king, and how do we rightly respond to God as a king? How do we respond to God? How do you respond to God? How are you responding to God? Four things to look at in our time this morning. First one, all right. A-W-E, Kalkowski echoes. All right. Uh, respectful fear, marvel, wonder, all right. The, the, the Bible says there's one God, the true and living God, the creator of heaven, the earth, everything, seen and unseen. Every throne, every power, every ruler, every authority, every dominion, every spirit, every person, every angel, every ghost, every animal. The one who was before everything else was, who created everything out of nothing, who holds everything together, who created space and time and being and life, who is the, the basis for everything else, good, true, right, beautiful. Having your Bible with you on your phone, Bible app or paper Bible will help you. Uh, across this week and including this morning. Let's have a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 together. We've read for it by Sarah. Let's read those powerful verses again. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Judaism, Christianity, all trace their origin back 
to the Old Testament Bible. So there's one God, one created God over everything. Not many gods, not the universe is God, but one God who made everything else. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, we find the teaching not of pantheism, the universe is God, not polytheism, there's many gods, not atheism, but monotheism. One God, creator of everything, spoken by his word, let there be, breathed out by his spirit, and he spoke. Look at Psalm 33 that sings that story of creation. So beautifully. Psalm 33. And we see here, reading it, especially with Christian eyes, a description of the Trinity at work. Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Breathed out, he spoke out, he said, Let there be. And God, speaker, word, breath, called all that is into existence. Verse 9, he spoke and it came to be, he commanded, and it stood firm. God made everything. So there's really two types of things in the book God and everything else that God made. Where were you 
when I laid the earth's foundations. Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind its doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed the limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud ways halt. Have you ever given orders in the morning or shown the dawn its place so that it might take the earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of the garment. The wicked are denied their life and the upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you ever seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me. If you know all of this, what is the way to the abode of the light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Surely you know. But you have already born. You've lived so many years. And off he goes. He speaks of the constellations of the sky. Verse 31. Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loosen the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seas? Lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the Lord of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? And off he goes. The answer is. By the way, uh, no, I have no idea. I've never been there. I don't know where it is. I can't do any of it. That's obvious to what God's saying, isn't it? You compare to him, we're so vastly different. We're limited in our power, limited in our knowledge, limited in our moral perfections. God is God, all powerful, all knowing, holy. So then, what is the proper response? If God is all powerful, all knowing, holy, what is the proper response to this creative God? Or wonder, silence, speechlessness. How Job responds as God addresses him in these chapters, as God asks and challenges him with these uh, questions. How does Job respond in chapter 40, verse 3? Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I can sanitize our hands. I spoke once and I have no answer. Twice and I will say no more. Silence before God, the great one. Or again, chapter 42, at the end of a second round of questioning, Job replied to the Lord, chapter 42, verse 2, I know that you, God, can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures? My counsel without knowledge, surely I spoke of things that I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me. You said, listen now, I will speak, I will question you, and you will answer me. My ears have heard you, and now my eyes have seen you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. The teacher in Ecclesiastes says, you want to be wise? Well, when you come to God, be quiet. Shut up. Be still. Come to before God to listen, not to speak. It's the fool who makes many vows they can't keep and bold claims they can't live up to. Come to listen quietly. There is wisdom and holiness in silence before God. Fear is another way of describing awe. Strangely one. But it is one throughout the Bible that is used to describe those who trust and follow the Lord. They're God fearers. 
I'll consider it you. So you let those fears of the Lord, the God's fear. Right at the very end of the Bible, how we did a Revelation chapter 14. We see a few of these, the response to God described there in terms of fear. Revelation 14, verse 7.
just someone who says good things and they you know, he happens to say things that happen to be good, they happen to say things that happen to be accurate. It's more than that. Because God is the creator of everything. God was there before anything is. God is being from which everything else comes. God is goodness himself. God isn't just truth, he is truth itself. God isn't just just and right there, he is justice and righteousness himself. He is uh, the place in which all the rivers of goodness and righteousness and truth and being and knowledge and action flow. Even in God's very being, remember God the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, uh, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, as funny as it might be to say it, deal with one another in all truth, in all faithfulness, in all justice and righteousness. Father and Son, Father and Spirit, Spirit and Son. Spirit, 
We listen to him. Right. 
you know, arm shots here, but what is it? It's not uh, God calling out to us from the living room and we're kind of gaining and the head runs on that. What? Get yeah, what? <laughs> Something like that. Um, it's, it's not that kind of listening to God. Yeah. It's not coming alongside God as, as a uh, perhaps like a postgraduate might come alongside their um, supervisor to advise them. You know, have you considered reading this and exploring that? He's coming as human to the God that we're talking about. He's coming in awe and humility. Yes, still thinking. Yes, still striving to understand, but coming to be obedient, coming into it. Godliness includes obedience, listening to God, trusting, understanding, repenting, obeying. And then when he disobeys, obeying, asking forgiveness. strength by his spirit to say no to the sinful desires and thoughts and yes to God and his way. This becomes hard uh, at the points where there is a challenge or test of our obedience. It might come from within us, our doubts and desires. It might come from outside us, the opinions and pressure of others. Stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. 
and pass in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin.
and the future of the planet, we will deal with the same. With your anxiety and worry, perhaps even about evil spirits or the devil.
love the kingly priests in his kingdom of priests. You would become a God in Christ, become an adopted son or daughter of God. An adopted son or daughter of God? A co-heir with Christ so that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother, sister, in this kingdom? Um, often the preacher ends with quoting hymns, right? That's a good way to put a button 
on a phrase. Um, so, this, so I was trying to think what would be a, a nice little hymn to put up on it. And actually, I, I discovered that you know where to go to get the best hymns for um, this conference this week? Not just this sermon, but this week. The best go-to place for, um, uh, for hymns for the kingdom of God is actually Christmas carols. Joy, rejoicing in him, well, come, all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, come to Bethlehem, come behold him, born the king of angels, come, let us adore him. God from God, light from light eternal, born the virgin to earth he comes, only begotten son of the father, come, let's adore him. Sing, cries angels, sing in exaltation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above, glory to God, all glory in the highest. <laughs> Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth revere, receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Joy with the earth. The Savior reigns. Let men their souls employ. While fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sound of joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is down. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. It's good, isn't it? Christmas in, not July, Christmas in February. <laughs> and, and the kingdom of God is a, is a great way of actually returning those Christmas carols. And actually, I reckon, as you go through the seminars this week, some of those themes, some of the biblical theology, the Bible storyline, these hymns give us. Maybe not the words, we definitely have the video. We definitely have the by highest 
Didst heaven adore Christ the everlasting Lord? Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Filled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. of peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. While He lays His glory by, born that man no sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the new